0: Lena Dunham is a contactee and an emissary for the Galactic Federation of Worlds. She's written four nonfiction books detailing her contacts and communications with multiple extraterrestrial civilizations. She does a weekly Star Nations news roundup of galactic events from the perspective of different extraterrestrial civilizations. And in her latest Star Nations news coming out later today, she deals with developments from the Pleiades concerning the use of space arcs and how that's relevant to the current situation on Earth and our solar system. You're listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Welcome, Elena, to ExoPolitics today. Great to have you back.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's great to be back too.
0: (laughs) Well, I must say I've been watching your Star Nations news and, you know, it's very exciting to to get this kind of weekly roundup from the perspective of different extraterrestrial civilizations and what's happening um, around our galaxy. I mean, it's really unique and and you do such a great job in presenting these different perspectives and you have a wide array of contacts uh, and et so you know how did you get this kind of like uh, idea to do a weekly star nations news
1: well as i am emissary for the galactic federation of worlds uh, i uh, i felt i needed to be more efficient and i had a discussion a conversation with um, a person who is um, Admiral, High Commander Arden, Ardana, on board the battle station Excelsior. Uh, and I was, we were trying to see how I could be more efficient at passing on messages and news from what was going on in the galaxy. And uh, I had this, uh, this news and I have to, this, yeah, this idea of doing a weekly, um, episode <laughs> um on news but uh, and she, she found out very very good but i have to say michael um you inspired me because i was already fan of your saturday uh, weekend re- review and i thought that doing this on the the from the other side from the side of the the, the galactics and the, the off-worlders would be maybe a compliment uh and uh, that would be maybe interesting so um uh, everyone was uh enjoying that so um yeah you inspired me <laughs>
0: well that's great to hear because i think you know what we do is are really great compliments to one another i'm i'm covering it all from the perspective of earth and related events in our solar system using kind of, like, more conventional sources, and, and you're bringing in the bigger picture of, like, what's happening in the interstellar realm and how the galactics are relating to one another and how that impacts um, Earth and our solar system. So I think they really are a great complement. And, you know, people, I think, if, if they watch your Star Nations news and my ExoPolitics today week in review, then you know they're going to be kind of like up to date with our whole our whole galaxy.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And you know w- w- what I do is not everything that's happening in the galaxy. You know, it's just the important news that influence the events on Earth in our and in our solar system. Only these these events, you know, and the most important. So uh, it's maybe barely 15, 20 minutes every time, but uh, it's the most important condensed. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, I know your most uh, recent Star Nations news, which is going to be released later today. Uh, you you uh, present an update from Akvaru, uh, a friend of Thorhan, and 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 you mentioned him. I think in uh, a gift from the stars, he's a friend of Thorhan, and he has a very interesting background so you know can you tell us about his background and how he became an ambassador of uh, the Alcyon star system
1: well thank you Michael well actually it was in we will never let you down um, it's I know it's <laughs> I, I get mixed up myself so <laughs> sometimes uh, Thorhan met Akvaru uh in a mission on Mars during the liberation of Mars, and they they got they got on well together and they became friends with time. Akvaru is um, a rebel, he's a Tal and he's from the planet Taliharaf in the Alcyon system, well called Jahia. And um, as you will explain in the Star Nation News um today, um the names of the stars like Alcyon, Tygeta, Maya, and all the, the other Pleiades stars, it's uh, names made up on Earth, it's names of nymphs of the Greek mythology, but the, the, the off-worlders, the Pleiadians, the real Pleiadians, they do not, of course, call their star systems like this. So for um, Tygeta, for instance, is Ashara, and uh, Alcyon is Jaria. So, Abvaru was a simple guy who wanted to rebel against the, the government, the regime, the, the really tyrannic regime on Talihara. The, the Ta'al on Talihara were renegades, former renegades, who escaped the, the, the Taigeta star system and um, created their own culture in this. Planet in the alcyon star system, that they terraformed for, them, for themselves. And they, uh, they are anti-galactic federation, they are anti Digeta, uh, Pleiadian, etc. Uh, and they sided with the Sikar Empire and the Nebu Grace, but especially with the Sikar, uh, because the Sikars were against the federation. And the tyranny was, was terrible. And these people named themselves that the government then names himself the Tal Shiar. And I was very shocked when I heard the name from Thoran's mouth, because Star Trek, (laughs) the Romulans, (laughs) you know, this is weird. So that's another proof to me that Star Trek is really soft disclosure. Not that soft sometimes, you know. Uh, Akvaru couldn't save his world, of course, so he escaped and he joined the Federation. And he was there as a mercenary and offered his services and he wanted to join a bigger structure to get help. And which he did, uh, befriending Thor Han opened to him uh, new possibilities. Thor Han got really um, sensitive with his story and he got uh, Agvaru to be trained uh, in emergency and very quickly, very intensively uh, to become an ambassador so that took uh, about 2 years and uh, then he could he could go back to Talihara his home world with a strong diplomatic protection uh, from the federation so he's ambassador of the galactic federation of worlds on Talihara he is very protected and he could convince the government to side with the federation, and that was absolutely amazing that he could manage to do this. You know, he's the the perfect example of resilience. Never lose hope. Whoever you are, you you are. You can make a change. Even you th- you think you 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 you're not you're no one, nobody. Well, no, you you can become someone and have have the tools to do something. So that's who Agvaru is.
0: Well, that's quite an accomplishment that um, he was originally a rebel, escaped his uh, home world and star system, uh, Alcyon. Sorry, I'll I'll just use the earth uh, pronunciation, Alcyon, and that way people can keep... Uh, up to date with that um so but he escaped be, joins the Galactic Federation becomes an ambassador and goes back and persuades the Talaha government to switch sides to abandon the Saka the Draco Orion uh side of uh the kind of like uh, alliance sheet and join with the galactic federation so so that's quite an accomplishment and, and major news really
1: yes yes because you know of we're going to take the, the earth names for the star systems it will be simpler Alcyon is not only a world under a tyrannic regime siding with the Sikar empire because there are so many like this but it's Special to the Federation because the Galactic Federation of Worlds was founded by the Ahil Pleiadians from Taigeta at the start. They associated with the the Tashkeru from Sirius B quickly, but it was an idea of the the Pleiadians, the Taigetans. And um, so, Alcyone people were uh, an offshoot of this, the star system of Taigeta, and they betrayed the Ahil. for the Ahil to get finally the the tal from Talihara to to join the federation is an accomplishment because it just wipes a karmic uh, debt, you know. So it it was very important, and Agvaru has been the catalyst for this to happen.
0: Yeah, and also it it's an important point to emphasize that not all Nordic. Or human-looking extraterrestrials are friendly and working for the positive benefit of, of humanity. That there were significant worlds, and um, we, we know that the Aldebaran star system was one of the worlds that worked, or was associated, linked to the Sakaar and the Orions, and also the 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 Alcyons or the the Talihara. That they were part of that. So, um, and and I think even today, I mean, there there are still some you know hybrid or Nordic-looking races that uh, operate on Earth in these underground bases, uh, who probably still have a questionable agenda. Do you, you want to comment about that? You know, I mean, are, are all the Talihara or all of these kind of negative <coughs> Nordic races? Have they kind of left just because the Sakar and the Urians left?
1: Well, there's something important to notice. Uh- besides the aldebarans the, the Aldebaran, so Nordics from Aldebaran, and that, you know, there's also a um, colony of Anunnaki in, uh, in the Aldebaran star system, you know? And all these people, plus the Nordics, uh, I think it was a Jad- Jadayil, maybe, I don't remember. They sided with uh, the, the Fourth Reich, but also the Alcyon Tal Shiar, and it is the Alcyon who gave uh, the, the, to the Antarctica Fourth Reich, the Dark Fleet, the, that was starting to, to, to grow and to be born, they offered, the tal offered to the Dark Fleet, to the Fourth Reich in Antarctica, the oblong cargo ships, you know, the cigar cigar-shaped cargo ships. This is uh, typical Pleiadians. So these these, uh, tubular cargo ships are um, interdimensional vessels. They they don't travel linear time. They teleport. So they are transporting scout ships for long distances, and they are very, very handy. Uh, These uh, tubular cargo ships were are also used in the Galactic Federation of Wars because it's a, a Pleiadian construct. But, so you can find these tubular cargo ships uh, in the Solar Warden program with the, the US Navy, the, the positive programs. And you can find also these, these, these uh, tubular vessels in uh, the Dark Fleet, uh, you know, because it's, that's um, been given by the Alcyone tile
0: that's that's fascinating because i know, you know i mean i i wrote a book called antarctica's hidden history and in there I, I go into detail into the different ships that the that the fourth Reich developed that were all kind of like that they were helped by the different extraterrestrial groups uh the sakar and and the other groups and i i, I described that the hannibal series i mean there are different types of hannibal series so, you know, flying saucer craft and and the real craft that were kind of the, the original ones, that they were smaller. But there were also what were called the Andromeda-class ships that were this classic cigar-shaped ship. So you're, what you're saying is that that design actually came from Elcyon, that that was the Alcyon uh, group who were helping the, the Fourth Reich develop those cigar-shaped uh, craft.
1: Yes, yes. Well, it was not only Alcyone uh, people who were building them, but also the Taigeta people building them. And, uh, you know, and these cargo ships are now very widespread in the Federation, Galactic Federation of Worlds. They are using them a lot as interdimensional transport.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in the update, and I, I um, you sent me an advance copy, so i i i just want to kind of like refer to one of the things that really got my attention uh that akvaru told you or or you would yeah says in his update that the galactic federation of worlds possesses uh, an arsenal of immense arcs that they can move around any star system um, where there's a need in terms of populations uh, needing to be evacuated, so yeah, well, can you kind of elaborate on what what it was or what it is th- that he said there?
1: Yes, it was at the occasion of the liberation of a star system, Stemis Four, in the the fifth sector. Uh, he we well, goes in further details into how the Federation has a system and, and a program for uh, evacuation, a rescue program, if in the case if a world with a population is in danger of mass, mass extinction. So the Federation wasn't equipped at the start with this program, it came later on when a lot of worlds were decimated by the SICAR, or the NEBU, So the Federation came up with a program that is offered every time a world joins the Federation automatically the Federation offers freely arcs that will be uh, either buried or either put uh, in, the, in the star system, on other planets, ready to be uh, uh, operational if something happens. Um, so that is something that's very important. So all the world's members of the Federation have these rescue arcs at disposal, and these rescue arcs are mass-produced uh, by the Federation, and they, they are Oblong vessels. That's very interesting. Um, comparing to the arcs of the intergalactic confederation, we can talk about that later if you want. Uh, the, the the intergalactic confederation has uh, discoidal uh, arcs, or sometimes spherical, but discoidal, and the, the, the with a dome most of the time. And the federation has oblong uh, vessels. So that's uh, something that is interesting. Um, so what Agvaru said, uh, precise. Well, I, I knew already, but he's going really in details, and it's it's quite interesting. Um, in on Earth, there's loads of arcs. That's, um, so many, uh, but are from different origins and different organizations. The Galactic Federation of Worlds hasn't put rescue arcs, properly speaking, on Earth because Earth is not yet a member of the Federation but they would be anyway ready uh, to intervene if something would happen, because Earth is a bit special. It's an exception. You have exceptions sometimes like this. Besides that, there are arcs on the Earth that are buried or in the oceans that are not rescue arcs, but that could serve as rescue arcs, that could be repurposed. And these arcs were in fact, vessels uh, evacuation vessels or colony vessels from other people who came to earth to build colonies and when they build a colony and everybody seems, seems to do the same you come with your ship and your ship contains your food supply your technology everything you need to survive for a long time until the environment of the new world is ready up and running you know and you have built Facilities and you don't need the ark anymore. So, uh, this is what these arks are on earth, you know, those who belong to the Federation, uh, the people of the Federation. Uh, After that, you have other arks. You have the Cedars and you have the Anunnaki. That's different types of arks. But um, that's uh, so that's what Agvaru said, and it's quite uh, interesting.
0: So, it's very interesting that you have these different galactic civilizations building these large spacecraft arcs that the purpose of which is just to kind of like stay hidden in reserve in case they're ever needed for a kind of evacuation of of some type. And and I guess uh, it kind of makes sense if we consider that the Pleiadians themselves, well, the different colonies, you you mentioned uh, the the uh taigeta star system the era era hell and how they were originally uh refugees from the lyra star system so yeah i can understand why refugees from another world that was taken over or destroyed that establish a new colony that it would be a high priority for them to have some kind of hidden arc or spaceship in case they need to evacuate at short notice. Is is that kind of like the the thinking?
1: Yes, totally, totally. And uh, the Federation didn't have at the start the the means to, to build, mass produce these arcs, so it came later when they were a structure that was powerful enough you know that has enough resources to mass produce them but at the start they couldn't do that for everyone now it's the rule it's the rule and it saves so many lives
0: that's interesting so so it's like I mean on earth you know we have this concept continuity of government and and governments will do things like build underground bases that are well protected and stocked, so that they could survive any kind of surface calamity but as we evolve, then it becomes more of a continuity of species imperative, where it's like, okay, you know, if if something bad happens, we want to be able to evacuate, say, you know, a certain percentage of the population quickly, and and we need these massive ships to do that, and so that becomes a priority. Um, so yes, yeah, so I guess that's is that's the kind of normal progression for worlds that they go from a limited thinking continuity of government to like continuity of species
1: yes 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 that that's exactly how it works yes okay,
0: okay. that's that's fascinating now you you mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, uh, uh earth's different space arcs that we've got multiple space arcs on earth and akvaru emphasized that the earth's space arcs are much older than the galactic federation and you know and because they were built by the uh, cedars or the intergalactic confederation now i think you've mentioned in the past that there are 24 cedar races and that they built 22 space arcs on earth so it is now does that and each of those space arcs were built by different member race of the Cedars, so you want to just uh, elaborate on that
1: yes when the the cedars uh came to to earth for their different uh, experiments on the evolution not manufacturing i mean the evolution the the making of the 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 human as it is now on earth this that has this the heritage of uh 2022 uh um, genetics it's quite amazing um and they they brought their own vessels and they left each different race they are 24 but two uh two of these races do not need because they are uh, sort of supra consciousness they do not have physicality so they they are not involved in these these arcs these vessels so It's interesting because each of the 22 arcs belongs to a different uh, species. And each of the the, the species, uh, for instance, one species can navigate or activate only their own arcs. Because these vessels, and that works for everything, that works for the scout ships, from the scout ships to the mother ship to the arcs, it's the same process to pilot these vessels, you need a DNA, well, a genetic slash consciousness interface. You need to have the right DNA because DNA emits a frequency, you know, the DNA, it's a double coil antenna, and it emits a frequency. And this is a frequency key, frequency code that will be able to Interface by quantum resonance with the mechanism that the, the electronics or whatever of the, the, the ship and also the consciousness because the consciousness will drive the ship. So the, the genetic material will s- start the ship, activate it, but and the consciousness will drive it. So you, you can have you can find um people with, with the, the right DNA, but if they're dead or they don't want to do it. The the ship will never take off, you know. Everything will switch on, but if the person is dead, there's no no soul in it, that, that won't work. You need a consciousness as well. So that's that's a safety measure for two reasons. Um, nobody can uh pilot another species vessels, so you cannot steal the technology, and also when they offer these very advanced technologies to uh populations that are not uh, mature enough to use it wisely, uh, they cannot do anything with it. You know, they cannot even activate them. So that's a a safety measure that happens to be uh, safety measure at the origin is uh, just a question of uh, interface. Now, you
0: um, mentioned that the Galactic Federation can mass produce their own space arcs and the cedars mass produce their own space arcs and you already said you know that the the different designs and with the cedars they use the genetics and the consciousness of the crew so that the arc can be activated and piloted uh, for the galactic federation is is that the same or i mean their technology isn't as advanced so what do they do differently
1: what is different is that um an ark or vessel from the cedars will, and for the Anunnaki, is the same. It's really specific to a certain crew. And the crew will be always the crew. And they, if the, the, the ark is meant to be uh, used for maybe hundreds of thousands of years later, the crew must needs to come back or either being put in stasis, that would rather be the Anunnaki who do that, or rather follow the cycles of incarnation on the planet. That's more of the intergalactic confederation, the Cedars' way of doing. Uh, They rarely put themselves in stasis. Uh, They will follow the cycles of reincarnation of the planet. So what's important with with that, it's interesting. When I heard that, I heard it actually from Una, the lady you see in the middle of this, this visual, uh, I said, following the cycles of reincarnation on the, the planet means the DNA is not there anymore. Oh, and she said, yes, because there are hybrids, there are hybrids that have uh, been bred and these hybrids have a percentage enough, in, with enough importance of the, the, the DNA that it can work, it can activate the ship. So they have the DNA, not 100%, not fully, but a strong enough percentage that they can activate the ship, and they are the the original souls, star seeds of the crew, and they they will be able to activate the ship. So there, there are two different um, techniques, and I like to make the, the the difference also with the the Anunnaki, who have a different way of doing things. The Anunnaki put the put. Their avatars or bodies of the in stasis of the crew and the consciousness goes somewhere else in another avatar follows the cycle of incarnation on their homeworld they go away and if they are needed they are going to come back into the the body that is in stasis to wake up and pilot the ship and uh, so it happens sometimes that the crews, crew members who have bodies in stasis and f- these crew members follow the cycles of incarnation of a planet, if it is required, if there's a mass extinction event that they, they are required, they will need to um, disembody their present uh, avatar to transfer their consciousness into the body that is in stasis in the ark, and so um, that's what that's interesting. Um, what I want to say, so yes, uh, something that is uh, was was mentioned by uh, I don't remember either of them, um, because they are very much hunted because they, they have the DNA, the consciousness, the crew members who know who they are uh hide themselves they know the importance so they are going to hide and uh otherwise if they are caught uh it's it's not good they are going to be used you know so well, I, I know
0: that on earth we have you know, at least, say, 22 space arcs that are hidden, you know, not necessarily on, on the Earth, you know, they can be hidden on the moon or elsewhere on other planets, but they are somehow connected to the civilizations on, on Earth. So w- one question is, like, or how big is the crew? I mean, how many, how many people would be part of the crew? And I imagine all of those would be incarnating. And, and also... How many people can fit on an ark if, if there needs to be an evacuation?
1: The, there's a tremendous lot of people that can uh, fit on an ark. They are a huge vessel, really, really big. And the biggest are normally in, in orbit or on other planets, you know. But um, it can really fit a lot. And now, um, how many crew members depends also the of the, the culture, the, the technology, but um, you don't need a lot of um, of crew members. Um, I wouldn't advance a number, but once the, the pilot team is incarnated, then anyone of the the right genetic can come and, you know, um, how to say, clean the ship, cook <laughs> do all the things but the crews the the pilots that's the important that's them who need to be the right one because of the consciousness. So they are not a lot you don't need a lot you need uh, maybe a dozen of people and that's it I think.
0: Oh wow, that's not very many so that would would mean that I mean a huge space arc that could accommodate thousands of people, only needs a crew of a dozen or so. Wow! So they they would be, uh, yeah, tremendous responsibility on that. Well, you you did get after Akvaru's Akhwar, update, you got a message from Una, shedding more light on the whole space arcs topic. So yeah, I mean, can you just explain how that works? You you get an uh, update from Akvaru, and then it's like there are questions or you know. So what is it that you sought from Una. Why, why did Una come into the picture? Because she gives a lot more clarification and in-depth analysis on the space arcs.
1: Yes, because Agvaru doesn't know much about the, the space arcs. He, he said what you know he knows from the Federation. But when he said uh, he said to me, well, Thorhan knows more than me anyway. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ask Thorhan. And then I thought, Una would know more about the arcs than Thorhan. So that's how why I... Decided to contact Una, and uh, Una is uh, an Altian. She's the Altian emissary for Earth. Uh, she's part of the Cedars, um, and uh, she she gave me more than answers. <laughs> so she said that they do things differently from the Federation. Uh, they sure they offer uh, arcs when uh, so the Federation. How to say the 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 intergalactic confederation uh, will offer these arcs to a culture that is entering into membership with a local organization, galactic organization such as the Galactic Federation of Worlds. So they will also provide arcs, but unofficially, not really uh, making contact. They will put some arcs in orbit of the planet or on other parts of the planet, rarely on the planet, on the, on the, rarely on the planet, I mean, in orbit or on other planets of the star system. And it will be there also as a rescue uh, vessel. What they do, they do this in a more, how to say, spiritual and philosophical way, they, they say, what she said, she said, we never intervene in evolution, but we are the watchers. We, we, we are there, we watch that everything goes well, and we wait the last moment, the last minute. If really, really there is no more chance and the, the culture under that world has failed and is going to be totally decimated, then we intervene then we intervene, because we always give life a second chance. So she said that that moment we show up and all our arcs that are nearby in the vicinity of that world that we spotted to maybe be potentially at risk, uh, it will be made uh, visible to the population and evacuate the population. She said, but only at the last moment. They are less. Uh, um, how to say they, they? They do not intervene as frankly as the federation will give arcs and bury them and blah blah blah. The cedars they step they step back and they 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 are there in the last resort. So how that's how they do things. The 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 arcs of the cedars have a longer. Have, um lifespan longer um uh how to say they offer long longer time on board because they are ecosystems the federation arcs are technology they are technology with supply and technology well that's it that's what they are but the the cedars arcs who are uh, most of the time discoidal with a dome they are Proper ecosystem that means a population evacuated from the world can live, could live indefinitely on these arcs or go for very long, very long travel to another suitable world to repopulate it. They would be self sufficient on the arcs, the, the cedars arcs. That's the difference. It's edens you know, biodomes.
0: Right. Okay. Well, uh, I think. Uh, What Una has to share is is quite fascinating in terms of the operation of these arcs and and the crew. I'm I'm very interested in what she had to say about the crew. So I just wanted to read out a a quote from the update that you shared. And and this, just for those listening, this will be released uh, later tonight on Elena's uh, Starseed News uh, channel, on her uh, YouTube uh, channel and that'll be I believe it's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time so this is what Una states in her update quote there will always be a crew following the cycles of incarnation of the planet and who will stand ready all the time at all the time these crews never revealed their identity they remain in protection of the silence and discretion for they are highly hunted down for their genetic keys I, I think you already kind of mentioned that uh, so each of the crews of these 24 space arcs that the seed left behind on Earth, uh, a dozen people or so are kind of like hiding out, but they've incarnated on Earth. So, are we talking about uh, in terms of their incarnation? Do they time it so all of them are, are right right now, like adults, ready to like be awakened to take up their their responsibility, or like some of them like children still and 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 when they wake up, they can just step into whatever role they have to play.
1: Yeah, some of them may be children, you know, but when they that that's, you know, uh, luck or you don't know, because they follow the cycle of cycles incarnation. So there will always be adult children, all the ages. Um, but they so they don't remember all the time who they are. It's sometimes it happens that they remember. But if there is a case of emergency, their memory will be activated straight away and they suddenly will be uh, walk they will wake up and be in full memory in full potential and they will be able to go to the arcs, know where they are, find them, and activate them. So it, it sometimes they don't even remember because it doesn't matter. It's when it's the moment, the, the, the intergalactic confederation make sure that they remember.
0: Well, that's interesting. That's very important because, you know, we have a, a few people. Uh, I remember when you started talking and JP started talking about the space arcs, we had quite a few people saying, oh, yeah, I, I was a member of, this, of the crew of the space arc and I did this, I did that. And so that's not necessarily what, what happens. I mean, these people, because of the danger of them being captured, if they revealed their identity that they're not they're not going to just do that you know publicly put out information oh yeah you know i was on the uh on, on the atlantic space Arc. i'm part of the crew that that would actually uh if if, the, if they really were then they, they would actually be hunted down yeah and-
1: and they know that you know the Nazis were were hunting DNA DNA markers because they wanted to they had found technology notably in Antarctica they they wanted to activate you know so um, mm-hmm. these people are hunted
0: yeah right so you know I, I always assume that you know people that suddenly come up or remember or that they start making comments that oh yeah I, I was uh, I was a king of Lyra or I was the uh, high commander of the Andromeda Stark fleets or uh, you know, I was on a space arc that these people, are, maybe they're just deluded or maybe they are, uh, are kind of like part of a PSYOP. But, but another perspective, and I hadn't thought of this, is that maybe this is like the noise that that actually helps protect the genuine crew. Because if you have a bunch of people out there saying, "Yeah, I was... I was on the Atlantic Space Ark and, you know, I was the pilot and I did this. And I remember when we went to battle against the Draco, you know, an elaborate story that's totally made up and delusional, that they actually may be part of the noise to protect the real crew.
1: I haven't thought about that. And it's very clever. Yes, why not? Absolutely. That that could be. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, that, that all psychological operations don't have to be... Uh, part of the dark agenda you can have white psyops that you know you, that you want to protect the crew so you know you have suddenly you know like you know like they do that all the time with with weapon systems they you know like you like they have flares to protect like the the actual plane that's flying through enemy terrain from all these missiles that i've like, seen that all these flares so same thing if you have a space ark and the crew you know, all of a sudden in the galactic confederation it's getting close to the time when they get activated you know they, they trigger all of these people to like oh yeah i was on the ark and they're just the distraction they're not they're not the real but they're the, they're there to fool the dark uh the the dark ones
1: yeah that's that that would be a very clever plan and uh i wouldn't be surprised if it was a real plan yes very yeah. good
0: Okay. Well, there was something in uh, what Una had to say about the uh, the Altian and the Cedar's policy of assisting worlds facing extinction to survive in some way through evacuation, but not offering immortality. And that, that really struck me because as soon as I heard that I thought of the story of Adapa and I'm 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 sure you're familiar with it the Sumerian legend of of Adapa the King Adapa I think kind of like Adam like the first man um, and that he had done some things that were kind of like uh, very upsetting to uh, Anu and Enlil and anyway so uh, eventually he ends up uh, before anu and anu offers him the drink of immortality but enki advised him not to drink it so yeah can you can you tell us about this this kind of like it seems that the anunnaki uh and maybe this is a policy of the seeders that they will offer wisdom uh they will activate the kind of like uh, the 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 kundalini energy uh but they do not give people immortality. So, yeah, you want to elaborate on that?
1: Yes. Yes. That's that that was very interesting because I am familiar with also with the the Anunnaki culture and talking about the liquid that uh, Anu offered to Adapa. This liquid is, in fact, It's called azar, and it's a fluid, and I've had the opportunity to see it and to actually um, benefit of it one day where I was in a bad situation after an attack. uh, I was healed with this, but not given to me as, you know, eternal, just to heal my 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 body, it's called Azar. It's um, a fluid, a superfluid that is made uh, from monoatomic gold, and it's uh, either uh, drank, but most of the time infused into the the, the body, into the blood. So that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, so it's called Azar. Well, the Anunnaki are very familiar with immortality, you know, and so they the royal class can decide to become um which is the immortality of the flesh but that that involves sacrifices um, can develop another time so they can do that and they can also offer if they want the 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 drink of immortality to um mortal people um okay but the intergalactic confederation such uh, also, same uh, in the same way as the, the, the Galactic Federation does, they have rules, and these rules are based on the cosmic laws of evolution, the natural laws of the universe of evolution. And um, immortality uh, is a is a breach in the laws of evolution, you know, immortality of the flesh, because you get out of the cycle, out of these laws. So it, it's not something that they. they 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 choose to do the cedars you know the cedars work at service of source of creator they help life to develop uh they work under the guidance of the nine and so that that's a different uh perspective the cedars what they would do is give life a second chance all the time so if they spot a world that is on the bridge of extinction. They're gonna come, they're gonna bring arcs, they're gonna pose the arcs in orbit of the planet and wait and see how it goes on the world. Uh, Letting always the laws of evolution play out and see if the people overcomes their problem and grow from it, that's called evolution. And so everything's fine they take back the arcs and they go. But if the people fail and the world is going to to really be devastated and all life extinct, so then they intervene and they give life a second chance. (coughs) Sorry. So they will have then two options. Either they will keep these people in their domed arcs uh, and uh, wait through time, uh because they can get out of linear time of the planet of course and come back in the future and the planet will be restored or with a bit of help of help of terraforming you know and they can bring back the population for the people who will stay on board the ark uh the cedar's ark they will uh, for them maybe a year or two will have passed but on the planet maybe uh 2000 years you know even so they can do that or either, if it's simpler, take the people to another world, a new world terraformed where they can start a new life. So that's um, that's interesting.
0: It, it is <laughs> fascinating. So the, uh, the cedars uh, will intervene when the rules of evolution have played out to their full potential. So exactly what what does that mean in terms of the rules of evolution i mean um if if a species is still kind of learning uh some of the basics about I don't know, compassion and uh brotherly love that uh, that this kind of catastrophe that is uh threatening their civilization that that will just play out because they still have to learn compassion and love uh, yeah can you just elaborate on you know I, I don't kind understand you know, what are the rules of evolution that play out to their full potential uh, because I always assume that in a civilization you know, like you think of Atlantis you know, you you have those that are kind of like open-hearted compassionate empathic uh, typically they're a minority and then you have the others that are either kind of like just uh, you know, psychopathic and manipulative. And then you have a huge number in the middle that, you know, they kind of like vacillate from one extreme to the other. So, yeah. Can you just maybe give us share some light on that?
1: Uh, Any population is a mix of all these things, all these uh, different levels of uh, evolution of consciousness. It's all always the same everywhere. You have people uh, evolving faster than others. Uh, So, when a population is evacuated, it's the whole planet, uh, no matter how your level of evolution is. That's one thing. So, waiting for the the, the rules of evolution, the rule of evolution to to play out, means that they will observe the population, trying to learn the lesson, trying to get over their fear, pass the step into their sovereignty and evolve from from the situation. And if they they succeed, if the the civilization succeeds, it's it's wonderful. If they fail, but they are still on the planet and they they can grow back to zero, it's fine as well. The cedars won't intervene. They will let evolution go back to point. Back in time, where the people will need to relearn the lesson from zero, ground zero. But they're still there, they're still alive, they're still life on the planet. So all possibilities are still open. The cedars still don't intervene. But now we have the option uh, when either the world is attacked by uh, uh, off world culture and it's going to be totally destroyed, disappearance of all life or if the the people blow themselves up by stupidity. And in this case, whatever the reason is, whatever the cause is, if the result is undeniably mass extinction and nothing survives, then the seeders intervene before it's too late. If there's no more chance, it's over, game over, they're going to rush and evacuate everyone as much as they can. And that's what Unai said, when evolution, the rules of evolution have played out and there's no more chance that that's game over, then they intervene because they do not want to. She said something like, it's the saddest thing to see um, a population dying and going into oblivion, a culture passing into eternal oblivion. So they will take as many people and animals and life form as they, they, they can and go and repopulate another world with these people to give this culture a second chance, but only in that case.
0: Okay. Well, she uh, in her update, uh, she does have some very encouraging kind of information for us because she says, and quote, There is no risk anymore for the populations of earth and our arcs will resurface from the depths of the earth and the oceans and descend from the sky, for they will be offered to the people of earth as places of teachings in all domains when the great joining will occur. You will call it the great global civilian contact. So this is kind of like very encouraging news, so would you like to just kind of elaborate on that?
1: Uh, yes, well, uh, she confirms that until very recently, she said a decade ago, like about 10 years ago, everyone still believed that there was a risk of mass evac- for mass evacuation of the earth, that something was could go terribly wrong. But she said since, and that was until 10 years ago about she said, since the Nebu Hive has been dismantled and all the regressive expelled from the star system, and now that the Sikar Empire is seeing their probably last moments in, in the history of the galaxy, well, there's hope on Earth. Hope, Earth is safe now. Nothing dramatic is going to happen because, you know, there's no, no threat anymore from off-world. And that now uh, propels the, 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 the future of Earth into something amazing. And now, the arcs that are there, be, be they the arcs from the Federation and or the arcs from the Cedars that were there in emergency, uh, they will show themselves not to evacuate people anymore, as it was the eventuality until recently, but now to teach people and to offer the technology. Uh, so that's going to be amazing. And she said that these arcs finally will be the link um, to a new age for the population of Earth and the, the population of the, the sky.
0: Well, uh, Una said something that in that quote that I found fascinating because it's something that JP has been saying for several years and she was corroborating that because he's been saying that the arcs that he's been visiting, that what he's learned from the arcs and from the briefings he's attended is that they're being activated, and at some point they're going to start floating. They're going to they're going to be seen by the Earth population, and that they carry all these gifts in them for the people of Earth. And so, I mean, that's something J.P. has gotten from his um, missions to the space arcs on Earth and and the Moon and and from the, the military briefings that he's received. And, and to have Una say the same thing, I, I think that's amazing.
1: Yes, that's, uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And uh, when she describes as well the the, the Cedars arc, uh, they are different from the motherships that are actually in the orbit of Jupiter. They are, uh, the arcs are biodome, ecosystems. It's a dome. Actually, it's floating domes, in fact, floating domes, and as she describes it. Um, and um, I think it corroborates also uh, what JP said once he was taken by Nordics to visit an an, an ark that was a dome. Did he say that? I think
0: yes, so. he said uh, that. He told me that, I think, 2015, it's in the, in the first... <laughs> first uh book jpr uh, sorry, uh, u.s army insider missions book one where he yeah. talks about that going on an arc back in 2015 this is before he joined the military and yeah it was just a, a giant biodome with animals and all this vegetation he said a lot of it was extinct and so yeah he was being exposed to these things and i think that's why uh they Wanted him desperately to join the military because they they needed a contact team uh, to be part of that. So that, that's awesome that Una is corroborating uh, J.P.'s information there. So then, so yeah, he's he said that the, he's been told or he's learned that the arcs are going to eventually be seen by the population of of, of the planet. They're going to reveal themselves, and Una has said pretty much the same thing here. So, you know, that event, that would be catastrophic disclosure for the for the deep state and for people that are unprepared, people that kind of like have dismissed all of this. You know, this would be uh, a catastrophe because their whole worldview would, would collapse. So, I mean, just how close are we to that kind of an event?
1: I don't know for sure, but it's a matter of a few years, uh, well, not less than 10, I, I mean, it's uh, enclosed in the les- next decade. It should happen very quickly, but the deep state, you know, they resist as much as they can. And the best way to get the people to badly react to these, these arcs and this first pacifist contact would be to demonize anything that is off world. There is no more regressive aliens in the star system since 2022. But what about uh, a fake alien invasion narrative that if arcs come and resurface, people believe it's um, invaders or regressive aliens and start to attack them and refuse them, refuse the future, refuse contact, you know? Uh, There's a lot of these things at play. And, uh, you know, the the deep states know more than... We, we we think they they, they, they did because this were surely aware of all these arcs and that the eventuality that one day they would lose and positivities would come and say hi and share technology. And once we joined the federation and once we shared technology freely with these e- new ETs, I mean, if the deep state was still in place in some little, you know, places they would be totally done they don't want that they don't want the people to be empowered by you know, all these new contacts you know so they demonized it the, 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 these it is demonized them yeah
0: one of the kind of uh things that jp uh, recently said about the atlantic space arc is that the nordics and he doesn't know what group of nordics have taken control of the space arc. And, and he's described the space arc moving from where it was in the Bermuda Triangle region of the Atlantic to somewhere closer to the kind of middle of the Atlantic um, and and that he has seen Nordics there. He, and he he feels that they're, they're positive. He doesn't feel any negative kind of vibe from them and, and that this was just really for safety. So... Uh, that group of nordics i mean are they like altians uh what 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 can we kind of assume about any group of nordic looking extraterrestrials taking control of a space ark on, on earth i mean that does that mean that they have to be altian descendants uh or is it something that we should be concerned about is it something that we should be should uh, feel relieved about what are your thoughts
1: Well, the Atlantic arc uh, is Altean technology. It was the city of Atla, the the core cell of the city of Atla. This big vessel arrived and landed there, and the city was built on the ocean around this arc. And when Atlantis was destroyed, this arc sank into the bottom of the ocean, and all the technology and knowledge was preserved there. Only the Alteans... altian hybrids i mean altian descendants can activate and, and move this arc or if a crew is assigned to these arcs they would be known uh, made aware and went brought there and move it it can only be moved by altians or as i say altians descendants and uh, every every arc has its own dna interface, DNA interface, interface so no one can move anybody else arc. So I would take this as a positive uh, move from positive people, you know. But then we must keep in mind that uh, this it was a good move. And you know, JP has a good sense of good sensitivities, so good sense that they, they were not uh, negative. But then, you know, we need to be made aware that under the term Nordics, there are different agendas, different ethnic, different origins, different star systems, different empires. You know, um, the, the Alcyon people are Nordics. The, the Tigatans are Nordics. The, the Aldebaran are Nordics as well. Those who are co- co- cooperating with the dark fleet, you know. The Alpha Centaurians are the beautiful, lovely, wonderful people collaborated with with the U.S. Navy also are, are Nordics as well. Um, so, when you hear Nordics, yeah, but you need to know what side, who, uh, what agenda, who are they working with? You know, and not mentioning also that the, the, the in the deep underground military bases in the the Mylab program, uh, the the army was breeding ET hybrids also. That would be uh, human and, and ET and Nordics. So they would be earthlings. They would have right to be on earth, you know. So there's all, all these things. The greys were breeding Nordic hybrids as well. So you never know who you are dealing with when it comes to Nordics. You really need to be careful and know the agenda behind and where they come from. Um, it's not easy. They look mm-hmm. alike for those who are not used to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, maybe
0: another kind of way of looking at this uh, cuz he kind of emphasized that they had taken control of the Nor- of the space arcs that the, the nordics and we can assume say the atlantic space arc as you said that this this is a group of alteans that have come on board and taken control and, and just making sure that you know, nothing auri happens with that arc or with the technology because of earth militaries wanting to gain access or take over take it, take it over I'm wondering. Another possibility is they be preparing uh, the ark for the return of the crew, or maybe seeking the crew.
1: It's possible. It's very possible. You know, it's very possible. And also preparing the ark for the moment when, uh, as Una described, the first contact will arrive, and uh, these arcs, this ark, notably, will res- resurface from the ocean and be offered. The, to the people as you know new technology
0: and everything right so when when the arcs surface and they're seen by say millions of people around the world that's when the crew have returned to the arcs that these arcs will be piloted by the crew so yeah. so, so what jp has experienced may be a step in that process
1: Yes, yes, it can totally fit in, in this, I, I would believe this.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Okay, um, and uh, I guess maybe what we can kind of like, the, the possibility of the arcs being taken over by a negative group of Nordics, uh, what, what, do you, what do you say about that?
1: you can't because it's a question of dna consciousness mm-hmm. interface so you cannot take over other people's uh technology you know only the the people who build the ark can interface dna consciousness uh that would mean that there would be traitors or you know <laughs> uh, why not but um uh, that that doesn't feel right you know Um, I think yeah you can't you can't take over other I mean the the Nazis have been trying for so long to to find the right DNA to use the technology and suddenly you can no you can't
0: okay well that's very reassuring so we can look forward to uh, over the next decade hopefully it happens much sooner Um, and we, we will kind of like come back to this kind of disclosure Agenda uh, and the plan. Um, so I want to just jump to another topic now that that I think is interesting. It just made the news. And I just wanted to get your reaction to it. Uh, there's been a surge of moonquakes. Uh, there have been uh, they've detected a lot of moonquakes, especially around the south pole region of the moon. And they're speculating that well, you know, this is because the Molten core of the of the moon is uh, is cooling, and this is causing seismic activity and all of that. But you know, we we know that that's BS. That the moon isn't doesn't have that kind of molten core. It's actually it's it's like an artificial body. It's been hollowed out. It's got huge caverns. So you know, I my speculation is that maybe there are battles happening on the moon. Uh, that these quakes are because. Of some factions that are fighting, or maybe places are being liberated. I, I just wanted to know if you know anything about that.
1: Well, um, what I know is that well, first the moon is hollowed. It's a structure, built structure inside, but there are still parts, uh, rocky parts. The moon was, uh, in fact, um, a planetoid that was carved, hollowed, and. Uh, there's There's no molten core in inside of it, and if there was one, why would it suddenly cool down that what for what reason you know, brutally causing earthquakes that's not doesn't make sense, but of what I know, uh, the, the moon there was different levels of occupation of the moon, uh, there were uh, m- people more more ancient that can be uh, related to the builders, there left traces in it. But there was also the Greys that came after the Nebu Grays, the Orion Greys who built these, these facilities and used what was already there and extended them again a little bit. And then the Greys were expelled, the Earth Alliance took over the moon. but when, when I say the grey, the Nebu Gray, there was also the dark fleet that was there. But anyway, the, the Earth Alliance in 2021 took uh Back the moon and start to develop facilities and build buildings and underground factories. And I've had the occasion to uh, it was two years ago to visit uh, the the moon very quickly. Uh, I was shown the manufacturing of med beds, and this is huge inside. It's very rudimentary. It's all steel. It's it's very uh, very simple. You know they they are efficient and it, it's. There are levels, levels, and levels, and levels. It, it's it's amazing. It's 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 really huge. But everything is not carved. So uh, they must producing more med beds, also technology like uh, anti gravity cars, for instance, and they are expanding this. So there are huge works inside the moon of uh, carving other places, you know, and expanding the facilities. Um, there's no there's no fight, there's no battle anymore, the Moon. I know that the, the, the Chinese want to take over the Moon, I know uh, there's a competition with uh, Space Force, Space Command, but there is no properly war or fights, you know, the Moon is now in the custody of the Earth Alliance. And what is the Earth Alliance? The Earth Alliance, uh, let's uh, remind this, it's a cooperation alliance between the Galactic Federation of Worlds and a positive Earth military faction, such as the U.S. Navy, Solar Warden, and the Earth Alliance includes as well the Artemis Accords. And when we, we refer to what happened on Jupiter in July 14, 2021, if I remember, 14 to 17th of July, uh, the, the, the Jupiter uh, Accords, where the the main mm, uh, space positive space programs like the Artemis Accords uh, signed with a positive faction of you know the extraterrestrials, the galactic progression of worlds, to delimit uh, safety zones, and that was really superimposing to the Artemis Accords, so. I don't think uh, anyone is in power to take over the moon now, because the Earth Alliance has it and has it all, but definite. And I, I would have been informed, so I, I'm not aware of fights there. It's just construction works and uh, re- terraforming the inside. I would say.
0: Okay, all right. So some something that's deriving from some of the mega projects that are that are happening there. Yes. So. I'm glad you mentioned the Artemis Accords in the hub, because I, I wanted to get your reaction to Belgium becoming the thirty the 34th signatory to the Artemis Accords. So I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, I mean, that's quite a, a lot of nations. I mean, that those are the, the main spacefaring nations of the planet, apart from Russia and China. And but of course, Russia is already part of the International Space Station uh, collaboration. But that's a that's a lot of countries that have joined the Artemis Accords. So I'm just wondering, um, is is part of the appeal joining the Artemis Accords that uh countries that join will, will have a presence on the hub being built above Jupiter. You mentioned the Jupiter Accords, uh the the hub is being built there. So yeah, you want to talk about the hub, what's its current status and and you know, why there might be a rush of nations wanting to Join the Artemis Accords because they'll be allowed to establish a presence on the hub.
1: That's totally yes. The the Artemis Accords are the new Starfleet in in somehow, um, and the Artemis Accords the Artemis uh, Accords are part of the Jupiter Accords. It's made with, with them. In fact, not only them, but they are in part of the infrastructure. The side, you know, so now that the, this hub, it's a it's a commercial hub, it's a meeting hub, it's meeting point. It's uh, located in the vicinity of Jupiter, near a vortex, it's famous vortex, it's a natural uh, vortex. Uh, this hub will be a neutral zone, a meeting place for people who want to trade and meet, or tourism even, you know, galactic tourism. and. Those, I mean, the nations who have a plug-in into the hub, oh my goodness, they can make some serious profit, you know, because there would be, uh, so I was very intrigued by because I was made aware there would be taxes. So I said, what, what I mean, what are these taxes about? I don't like the, the term taxes. But in fact, no, it's a right of pass of entry in the star system that benefits the people of the star system. So if you come uh, by the vortex and you you're taken in, in, in hand by the, the Ashtar Galactic Command, who is posted on Jupiter, who is the military force that will guard, that is guarding the, the, the vortex, you will be um, monitored. And you know, if you have bad intentions, you'll be kicked back. But if you welcome to the hub, so you need to you, you need to pay a little tax uh, that will benefit the Earth Alliance because the Earth Alliance is uh, the, the custodian and the, the owner will be the owner of the hub. The ETs help move it. They will be there. They will assist. They will be uh, there to, to, to co- collaborate, to cooperate. But any profit from uh, the access to the star system will be benefiting the star system you know so that's uh, that's great that's a great way of bringing a little bit of prosperity in the in the place so everyone,
0: right there yes I, I think the artemis accords are very exciting um just the way that they have quickly expanded and and i think it does kind of like support what you said because i know you were the one that first came out with the jupiter accords and that uh, there was this meeting high uh, above the atmosphere of jupiter and these were uh, really important because they laid out a a, a, kind of like a structure for governance of our solar system where you you had these six nations forming an executive committee but the united states would be the kind of like uh, the, the leader amongst those, and that that kind of pissed off uh, China and Russia, but the other countries were were okay with that, and so so yeah, that so many countries have joined the Artemis of course. I think that does kind of like corroborate what you said at the time, and of course you said that people like Elon Musk and uh, the Jeff Bezos and Bigelow and many of the other kind of leading. Uh, civilian entrepreneurs were there as well
1: yes and they they didn't pick them because they were nice people they picked them because they were ready and they had the the means the 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 money and the 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 infrastructures to provide uh satisfying technology for you know the advancement of uh, the future of you know the Mm -hmm. stars
0: there's a a british newspaper uh, quite famous uh, the spectator that it released a disclosure plan that was that's supported by the scientific establishment the british scientific establishment are behind this plan that the spectator has released into the public and and what the plan was was that the web space telescope would be used to first detect biosignatures so there would be some announcement that biosignatures were found microbial micro microbial life on distant exoplanets and then they would the next step would be finding techno signatures of intelligent extraterrestrial life on exoplanets and that would say you know, like the trappist star system and i know you've talked about the Trappist system having intelligent life and then there'll be an announcement that extraterrestrials are here and living amongst us. So, so what do you think of that plan that apparently the British scientific establishment are behind?
1: Well, it's uh, it matches totally what I was told and I made public. Uh, it was in July before July. Um, it was 2022, isn't it? When the James Webb Telescope was the first operational. Um, I was given the, the plan of what was going to happen. Unfortunately, time-wise, it's been delayed. But you know, you, you can never really give dates because dates fluctuate. But the facts are facts; they will happen. And I had spoken about the James Webb Telescope is going to focus on Trappist One, which they did. And they will first bring evidence of life, and then evidence of techno signature, and then. Contact will happen, and uh, all this will be um, given by the James Webb Telescope. So uh, it seems that is finally uh, uh, happening. Well, not happening in they haven't given yet the techno signatures, but the, the plan is unfolding as uh, as as planned.
0: Yeah, I think they've already found a uh, some chemicals. in in an exoplanet that are indicative of a biosignature, but they're waiting for another round of data from the James Webb telescope to confirm that they actually have found uh, microbes on a distant exoplanet. So they've already found that, uh, but they're waiting for the James Webb to come up with additional data to confirm that. Um, so so, so the, in The Spectator, they just said that, that it's pretty much a done deal, that this is going to be the announcement. So we're probably only months away before an official announcement that the James Webb Space Telescope has confirmed initial data that there is microbial life on this exoplanet.
1: Yes, and you know, they're not only waiting after the James Telescope new further information. <coughs> so this is part of... A bigger plan, the big plan of disclosure that is put in place by the Earth Alliance, James Webb Telescope, uh, the the congressional hearings, everything, Grush, it's all part of the same package. And the James Webb Telescope will not go further uh, as the the disclosure in the in the the, the official Congress, you know, will will happen. They they work together. It, it advances at the same speed, not to cause discrepancy. You know, um, what if the James Webb Telescope say we found techno signatures, but on the other side, uh, the 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 army will sell blowers uh, or intelligence whistle blowers haven't yet managed to prove that we we have been uh, officially in contact with extraterrestrials. So it needs to go. Uh, side by side so uh it, it's advancing very slowly but it's going forward and uh there will be an amazing response from either sides. you know it's, it's it's going to be i mean when the information drops it it's gonna be like wow, but you know, not shocking. That's what the plan is about. Not to shock the population, but to prepare them. And now at the moment, we are being prepared to yes, extraterrestrials are real, they exist, they are physical. That's the bottom line. And so when that when life is found on another planet, it shocks no one. You know, no one is, is uh scared, you know, and that when uh, army or intelligence whistleblowers uh, go to Congress and say, yes, we've been dealing with real extraterrestrials. People won't be shocked as well because the James Webb telescopes found life on other planets, so you are right, you know. So it goes together.
0: Well, and beforehand in January of uh, 2023, uh, he handed over a plan to a four-star general that we, we later identified or you later identified as General Glenn Van Herk, the head of uh, U.S. Northern Command. Now, in our last uh, interview or our last discussion, uh, Thorhan said that the, the disclosure plan had been delayed, that it would now be, I think, mid-2024 when some major disclosures were going to happen. So, I mean, are, are we still on track with that? And what kind of major disclosures are going to happen? Are, are they what you've, you've just mentioned? Or more,
1: I am not given all the details of the plan because it would put the plan on inter-party, of course. But what I can um, speculate is that strongly speculate, I think I'm pretty much convinced of that, even if it's only coming from me. You know, uh, is that what we will be disclosed is that the governments have been in contact in cooperation with ETs, they have been working with living ET entities. And that is going to be, to my speculation, a turning point in the history of humanity. Because once we officially admit this, announce this officially, the door opens to everything that has been going on. The the Eisenhower meetings, the collaboration in the deep underground bases with the, the greys, the dark fleet it's going to open everything because all the elements that we already have like from people like you michael tony rodrigues uh, jp and others all the people who have been working in secret space programs or charles moyan everyone all this 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 information who are not officially admitted but who are there they are going to be suddenly connected to official information and confirmed you know that's going to be huge it's going to be like a singularity point that is going to ignite all the ramification and i think that's what we are talking about to my own opinion
0: yeah well all the signs are there that uh, these uh, disclosures are are coming i mean the the u.s congress getting involved and uh, people like david grush now becoming kind of like celebrities uh, in major media covering them uh, everything that they have to say and 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 I think what uh, this kind of british plan british scientific establishment i mean that that exactly matches what you were told that uh, that eventually we're going to have this notification that uh, yes governments have been meeting with and working with extraterrestrials and and we had that israeli scientist haim eshed who who said the same thing during the trump administration i think that was what 20, 2020 when he said that so uh yeah i think uh, so really i mean in terms of overall do you feel very optimistic for our future as a planet or i know there's a lot of doom and gloom out there a lot of people are thinking world war civil war planetary collapse what's your overall feeling
1: my overall feeling is that I see further and I have seen what lays ahead of us. It's a prosperous future where the, the people are free. I, I came up with a, a, a word today, the free tier. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's when you are really in the dark, you, you can't see the light you, you have no hope how am i going to get out of this it's impossible i'm surrounded by darkness and fatality i can't see further than that but then with time you work your way through the darkness and one day you arrive at the edge of it and you see the, the solution and the light so it's, it's normal that people are scared because at the moment the deep state is collapsing they are beheaded the the, the, the over lords have gone, they've been removed. So they are running like headless chicken, as I like to call them, you know. So they are trying to do the most harm as they can before being totally disabled and, and gone. They are they are putting all their agendas at very high speed and that's that's interesting because then we can see their game better. Uh, you know, uh, they they are showing their again now panicking so the, the 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 threats of of economic collapse or whatever dark things but the all this is is to drag the population into a low frequency that people don't create co-create and help the future to to arrive faster you know we, we are we are very powerful as human beings and we have the power of the mind of the consciousness to influence our reality the the structure of reality and you know the dark ones they, they know that so by scaring us and putting in our heads images of dystopian future they make us create it and postpone our glorious future because it will arrive but maybe later they wanted this glorious future to arrive latest as possible, because in the meantime, as long as they hold the the, the place, the deep state, they're making a lot of profit and money and they they you know as much as they can. It's the the gain another year and another year and another year. But if we stop believing in, in all this doom and gloom and scare tactics, they are gone and the, the future that we want arrives faster you know so that's my view on things
0: well that's uh, great to hear so i know uh, you're you're going to be uh, releasing this uh, star nation news later later tonight uh so any final words you want to say to people about where they can uh watch star nation news where they can subscribe your your website any Kind of tips on where they can kind of dive deep into some of the topics that we've been discussing.
1: Well, um, you can watch all the Star Nation news episodes of my YouTube channel, Elena Danan Official. You also have my website, and under each of the videos, you click and you have all the links. My website, elenadanan.org, and you have also links to the transcripts of uh, the, the episodes, so that uh, can be uh, interesting. Uh, a lot of information uh, also you can uh, but ancient information you can find them in my books like the the, 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 the structure on, on which is based the, the current events such as the Jupiter Accords, the liberation of our star system, you find that in my books uh, on my website so, uh, and I do a monthly webinar so uh, the, the next one will be announced soon
0: Well, thank you, Elena. You're a fantastic guest, and I look forward to watching the next episode of Star Nation News uh, later tonight.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Michael, and thank you, everyone, for watching. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, Webinars and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday